Sorry. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Have you ever wondered why God put you on the planet, on this earth, for this specific time in history? We're living in very difficult times, as you know, very trying times. These are the times, as Thomas Paine said at the time of the Revolutionary War, these are the times that try men's souls. Indeed, they do. But they're not trying everybody's soul. Particularly, they're trying the souls of those who the Bible refers to as a remnant. A remnant. R-E-M-N-A-N-T. A remnant. Question. Are you part of that remnant? Now, don't answer too quickly. Just because you claim to be a Christian, just because you claim to have made some decision or went forth at a Billy Graham rally or some other, a Greg Laurie rally out there in California or something, just because you did that doesn't mean that you're part of the remnant. Let me tell you why. Because a remnant is a very, very small piece of a roll of cloth. My mother was a seamstress. She had to be a seamstress because she was married to a pastor who didn't make very much money. In those days, as I grew up in a pastor's home, oftentimes the thinking in among church members was, Lord, you keep him humble and we'll keep him poor. So my mother responded to that, and she did an amazing job. She was able to make the most amazing clothes, even suits for her boys and shirts and pants and and so on, and uh, pajamas and all kinds of things she made, dresses for her daughters, and they were astounding. But here's how she was able to do it. She didn't have any money. There was just almost no money. I mean, I remember, just to put it in clear terms, when we were, I was about 10 years of age, living in the northern part of Fresno, California, and think about how hot it is wherever you are uh, in the country today. Well, in Fresno, California, in the summertime, it never went below 90, 95 degrees, and oftentimes was up. 105, and it was in that environment we had no air conditioning, none. We had no air conditioning in our car. We had no air conditioning in the house. And my mother, I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture here so that you'll understand the nature of a remnant. My mother actually uh, had to use a little metal icebox It didn't stand upright. It was just a little box about maybe two and a half, three feet long, uh, a foot wide and a foot deep. And every day you had to put a block of ice in it. And that's how, that was her refrigerator. And that is how she was able to handle during those years, five children. And yes, in Fresno heat. 
Now, putting that in context, then, with regard to the making of clothes, there was no money. And so my mother had to know how to stretch a dime. I mean, literally stretch a dime. So we would go down. My father would drive us down on a Saturday afternoon, downtown Fresno, to a remnant store, a fabric remnant store. And there, uh, my mother would go in to the store and search out for fabrics that were the end on a roll or just separate from a roll, small pieces of fabric that she could conceive that out of which she could make the necessary clothes. Now, why did she do that? Because the prices for the remnant were amazingly low, maybe 10 cents on the dollar for a piece of fabric. And so that's how she was able to make the clothes necessary to provide for her family. A remnant, a very small end piece of fabric on a, on a bolt or that had already been separated and was folded over, and that piece went for a pittance. Now, I want you to think about that because the world looks at the remnant body of Christ, the very small group of professing Christian believers that are really seeking to follow the Lord with a whole heart, that are absolutely distressed over the moral and spiritual debauchery and deterioration taking place in the country, and yes, even in the church, and the world looks at that group of people as worthless almost worthless. But God looks at that group of people as his remnant. That is his choice group of people. Those are the people that he's calling to come out from the rest of the world and its system to follow him with a whole heart for such a time as this. So here's the deal. You and I, if we're part of that remnant, We're called to the kingdom for such a time as this, and it is a high calling. It's not a diminished calling because we happen to be part of a remnant. From God's viewpoint, it's a very high calling, the highest calling of all. And the good news is that in spite of the fact, or despite the fact that there are so, there's so much deterioration so much debauchery, so much chicanery, so much uh, even uh, false teaching and uh, disbelief and unbelief and uh, 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 sexual practices that are not worthy of the name of Christ going on in the church and in the pulpits. In spite of all that, there is a remnant that is faithful. And that remnant comprises those of us who are ready to show up and answer the call of God on our lives in this critical hour, this amazing moment in world history. Now, that's going to require the special anointing of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it by yourself. You can't walk in fear. you got to walk in the authority of, of Christ. And we've got to walk by faith and not by sight. 
And that's the only way we're going to be able to please God. And that remnant is bold, it's not compromised, and it's not given to the enticement and temptations of the enemy around us, the spirit of the world. It means you and I are willing to stand and trust God in all circumstances, no matter what. And when the times get tough, we press ahead and endure. As the coach once said, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. So I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Myers. Conversation with, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And I trust that today's program will be encouraging to you, but also challenging. You see, we can't lose hope. We can't allow the world to get us down. Right? We have to press on. And that's what we're going to do. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome you back to Viewpoint. Today we're talking about the remnant, the meaning of a remnant, and why God is calling this remnant out from among the rest of the world. And yes, in a sense, out from under the business-as-usual churchianity of the day. You see, because it's so compromised. If you go back to the book of Revelation, uh, for chapters two and three, you will find uh, Jesus' message to the seven churches of Asia, which represent the then-time church, the now-time church, and the end-time church. And he gives a description to those various churches of warning and encouragement, and then he says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Of those seven churches, only one did not receive rebuke, and that was the church at Philadelphia. All the others received rebuke at some level. Starting with the church at Ephesus, he says, you left your first love. You can't continue in this way. You you can't continue operating in this way, leaving your first love and continue to call yourself uh, the bride of Christ. You can't do that. So, he says, you need to listen. You need to reestablish your first love. Question, where is your first love? You see, this is how the Bible is supposed to be understood and applied. We have to ask ourselves rhetorical questions. It wasn't just a message to the church at Ephesus. It was a message to you and to me. So, if I am part, if I'm part of the remnant... I cannot have left my first love, and if I have left my first love, I have to return to my first love so that the love of Christ constrains me at every single point in my life. I love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I love God's people as myself. 
That's Jesus' command, and it has to be intensified. All right, but there are other messages to the church. Uh, Sardis, and then uh, also the church at Thyatira that was involved in sexual immorality, and uh, uh, so badly that Jesus said, look, I I gave you a chance to repent, and you refused to repent, so I'm going to cast you into a bed uh, of, of horrible horrible uh, judgment, and I'm even going to curse your children. Yes, Jesus said that in the book of Revelation, in the message to the church of Thyatira, because of their rebellion and their sexual sin that they refused to repent of. They could not possibly be part of the remnant. The remnant will walk in righteousness and in holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Then we have also some of the other churches. For instance, uh, the famous one at the end is the church at Laodicea. The complacent, lazy church, the church that was so compromised in every way, apathetic, business-usual churchianity, and... Jesus said, look, you are so cold. There's nothing warm about your faith. There's nothing warm about your practice of so-called Christianity. No, you are cold. And because of that, because you're neither hot nor cold, but just lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. (laughs) That's what Jesus said right there to the book of Revelation to the church at Laodicea. Was the church at Laodicea, those that were in that church, were they part of the remnant? No, unless there might have been one or two, a very, very small number. You see, the remnant is always a very, very small number. Just as a remnant of a piece of cloth is a very small portion at the end of a bolt that nobody else wants. And so the store prices it down to get rid of it. Ten cents on the dollar, something like that. Now, those who value that remnant consider it a prize. The rest of the world doesn't consider it worth anything, and that's why the store gets rid of it so cheaply. It was a, I believe it was Thomas Paine who also said at the time of the Revolutionary War, that which is esteemed, uh, that was received too easily is esteemed too lightly. You see, God wants us to be red hot for him. He will esteem us highly if we walk as part of the remnant. So because of that, he says, look, I want you to come out from among them. Now, who's the them? Well, the them is the spirit of the world. Yes, it is the spirit of deception. It's the spirit of complacency. It's the spirit of lukewarmness. It's all of those things that Jesus described in the seven churches of Asia that were not pleasing to him. It's not just 
come out from the disbelieving world. It's come out from the world of reprobate mind that refused to agree with God. Even who profess the name of Christ, but who refuse to follow his ways. It's business as usual churchianity. And that is untenable to the mind and heart of God on the near edge of the second coming. So, we were supposed to have a guest today. I, I'm just really uh, disappointed that Todd Coconata was not able to join us for some reason. He must have forgotten. In any event, he has a book called Come Out From Among Them. Come Out From Among Them. Well, the interesting thing is, them never seems to be very carefully defined. Them is anyone other than the small remnant that are seeking the Lord with a whole heart and following him in repentance, in humility of heart, and in total surrender. And my wife uh, has been so inspired by the word surrender that for several years now, she has basically taken that as her theme word, surrender. She says, that says what God wants from me, surrender. That's what God wants from all of us, surrender. So we used to sing a song called, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. Does that have any familiar ring to you? Is there anything in your mind, in your heart, as you hear those words, that kind of there's a sort of a little resistance there? If there is, in any way, if the Holy Spirit pricks your your mind or your heart, even as we've been chatting here today, that's an indication that if you really are sincere and expect to be part of God's remnant in these end times, there's some correction that needs to be made. We need to have ears to hear, eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand. So, to the seven churches of Asia... Jesus repeats the theme seven times. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Now, do you think if Jesus repeated himself that many times, it might be important to him? He wants us to have ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to understand. In other words, he wants us to be doers of his word and not just hearers only, deceiving our own selves. He doesn't want us to play, be play pretend Christians. He doesn't want us to be wannabe Christians. He doesn't want us to be Sunday go to meeting Christians. He wants us to be real followers of Christ every hour of every day. Now, the interesting thing is that all of this is to take place in the context of our world that's shifting on its axis literally shifting on its axis physically, but also shifting on its axis geopolitically and morally in every way. 
It's a major, major shift. In fact, the president of China said to Vladimir Putin, what we're doing today has never happened in a hundred years. He's talking about it as an exceptional moment in time. So, the reality is, if you've been listening to this program long, you know the hour is rapidly getting late in world history, and we're seeing biblical prophecy playing out right in front of our eyes, if we have eyes to see and ears to hear. So, as our expected guest today said in his book, this is meant to be the church's greatest hour. And it's our time to shine. It's your time to shine. As Charles Dickens said, writer of that uh, tale of two cities, he said, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times at the very same time. And that's how it's going to be. That's how it's going to be. Our greatest hour, but also the most difficult hour. Jesus said it was going to be that way. The Apostle Paul said it was going to be that way. The Apostle Peter said it was going to be that way. The Apostle John said it was going to be that way. And indeed it is. And it's going to become more that way, no matter what some people-pleasing voices out there are trying to tell you. That's why we say regularly here, people, get ready. Jesus is coming. Soon we'll be coming home. All right. I want to give uh, make this book available to you, Come Out from Among Them, because I think it's going to be so encouraging. And... Uh, it is a $20 book, yours for $18. It's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Okay. So, uh... Our wannabe guest, <laughs> our expected guest, uh, in chapter one of his book, has said, called it the rising remnant and where we came from. The rising remnant and where we came from. Well, here's what's happening. If you got a regular unpasteurized a bottle of milk, we don't see much of that anymore, but that used to be the way milk was delivered when I was a boy unpasteurized milk, you would find that at the top there was a small layer of cream. And so we have the phrase, the cream rises to the top. Well, that's exactly what a remnant looks like. God's cream that rises to the top. Everything else looks okay to the outward appearance. But from God's perspective, that cream is concentrated reality. From his viewpoint, that is the cream of the crop. So we even have the phrase, the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop is the remnant. It's that which exceeds and excels everything else around it. That which rises to the surface to do the best job that can be done from God's creation. So, here's what's happened. 
many remnant believers are realizing these are those times. They're not playing pretend anymore. We're not putting our eyes like a two-year-old over our hands, over our faces, and saying, look, Ma, you can't see me, or look, God, you can't see me. We're realizing this is the real deal. This is the real deal. So, people, a small, relatively small group of people, remnant, is rising to the top. Now, we're not talking just about people that are, shall we say, activists. We're not talking about that. We're talking about people that rise to the top for the kingdom of God, not necessarily serving a conservative agenda, but uh, serving the kingdom agenda, whatever that might be. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archive. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. God, through Mordecai, said to Esther, there in the book of Esther, who knows but what you are come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Wayne Watson, a number of years ago, had a wonderful song, uh, for such a time as this, you were placed upon the earth to do the master's will, whatever it is. For such a time as this. And you and I are called to the kingdom for such a time as this. We're not called to political salvation for such a time as this, we're called to the kingdom of God for such a time as this. Now, whatever place you and I are called to be of service and to do the master's will based upon his kingdom priorities, not based upon political priorities, based upon his kingdom priorities, whatever they may be, however it involves whether it involves politics, whether it involves service in the church, whether it involves uh, testimonies, whether it involves, uh, for instance, being a broadcaster, writing books, whatever, working where you are, where you're planted, blooming where you're planted, being a mother and a father for such a time as this, intentionalizing the teaching of your children, When you lie down, when you rise up, when you walk by the way, when you see yourself as being a called out one. Now, that's exactly what the word ecclesia meant, the called out ones. So the Bible actually refers to Israel 
coming out of Egypt as the church in the wilderness. The ecclesia are called out once in the wilderness. They, Israel, was to be a remnant expression of humanity to the world. Did you know that? That's what it meant to be chosen people, a remnant expression to the world. God said, look, I'm giving you all these guidelines, these laws, these judgments, and so on, so that you will be a testimony to the world of the most productive, the healthiest, the strongest, most vibrant people on the planet because you serve the living God. They were to be a remnant among the nations. That's why God said, I don't want you to be part of the nations. In fact, if you go back to the book of Numbers, you will find that Prophet Balaam ultimately came out and said that Israel would not be reckoned among the nations. Why? Because God wanted them to be different than the rest of the nations. He wanted them to follow him and his precepts with a whole heart. Now, when you and I are grafted into that original olive tree, as the Apostle Paul noted in Romans chapter 11, that means that you and I, as Gentile believers, are to be part of that called-out remnant. So if Israel reneges on its desire and willingness to be that called-out remnant, then you and I as followers of Yeshua, of Christ, are still to be part of that remnant, whatever that means. God is preparing a remnant people, and that remnant people is referred to in the New Testament as the bride of Christ. That's why Jesus said, I'm not coming back for a bride with spot wrinkle, or any such thing. No, you are to come out and be separate. So, Paul says to the Corinthians, come out from among them and be ye separate. He also says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, I'm going to give you some practical applications here. Uh, I'm going way beyond what our guest today would have been saying in his book, Come Out From Among Them, because I'm giving some applications that uh, I think, I hope, will be helpful to you to understand what God is really looking for here. When the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthian church, come out from among them and be ye separate, he said, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. God is not willing to call people who are of a reprobate mind or of who are walking in uh, sexual immorality or who are walking in disobedience, who are walking uh, in the spirit of deception, who are lying and cheating and stealing and uh, failing to represent themselves uh, in a manner that displays the glory of God in the earth He is not willing to call them his people until and unless they repent. Now, if they repent, if they will confess their sin and repent, 
and come clean before God, then they can become part of that remnant. But if they refuse, then they become part of the reprobates. And that's not a good place to be. So God is calling every single one of us to a place of humility before him, of repentance, uh, confession and then repentance, turning from the ways that have been inconsistent with his call to us as a remnant people. Now, when the Apostle Paul said, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, what was he talking about? Most people think he was talking about marriage. Well, indeed he was, but not just marriage. He was also talking about our business associates, associations, our so-called partnerships, our companies, our arrangements. He was talking about those things that would cause us to become entangled with the spirit of the world in one way or another that would compromise the glory of God and compromise our own ability to function as a holy remnant. Let me give you a a classic illustration of this. When I was practicing law uh, in California, I was part of the Christian Businessmen's Committee, CBMC, committed to reaching businessmen for the Lord, And I was part of that group for at least 10 years. In fact, I was the chairman of the group in Pasadena, California for five years, and I spoke there once a month for 10 years. So I was given to this, and uh, it was very important. Well, during that period of time, uh, the organization, the national organization, uh, led by Ted DeMoss, uh, published a what should we say, a newsletter. It wasn't a magazine per se, but it was a publication sent to all people who were members of CBNC. And one in particular caught my attention. And here was the deal. They said, if you were given the opportunity to join in partnership with someone in business, uh, and you had... It looked to you like it was a good deal, like it was something very promising. What would you do? And so, for about three months, people would respond to that question. And then their response would be published in the paper. Well, here's how all the responses went. Some said I would do my due diligence, and if it still looked good, I would do it. Others said I would pray about it and then do it. Not one person, not one person professing to be a Christian businessman ever said I would find out to make sure that the person was a true follower of Jesus Christ. In other words, they totally missed the point. 
And it was over that issue that one day a secretary in the law office where I was in Los Angeles came to me and she said, Chuck, you're not considering becoming a a partner here, are you? She was a Christian secretary. She knew where my heart was, my commitment to the Lord and to his kingdom. She says, you're not considering becoming a partner here, are you? Now, please bear in mind, this law office had a reputation for being a Christian law office. Well, there had been a couple of Christians there, but not everybody was. In fact, two of the primary people there, the partners, were not Christians and definitely had turned over the traces and had rebelled against the Lord completely. And she knew that. The confluence of her word coupled with what I was reading in that Christian businessmen's magazine about how these men, professing Christian men, utterly and totally ignored the word of God with regard to going into partnership. They were going to do what they wanted to do, no matter what God said. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, son, you have to leave. It's one of the most salutary issues in my life and the life of my wife and I. My wife remembers it and calls us to remembrance of it regularly, including this week. She said, Chuck, that was one of the most important things we ever did. You made the decision. God said, you cannot be a partner. No matter how good it looks, you cannot be a partner. So then we were waiting. Okay, so what do we do? What do we do? We're not prepared. She said, the Lord said, quit, resign. Then he'll tell you what to do. Don't wait for something to happen. Do what God asks you to do, and then he'll show you what to do. Do you know that when I did that, within 30 days, we had a whole new box established Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Come out from among them. God is raising up a remnant. The question is, Are you part of that remnant? 
Am I part of that remnant? I want to take that just a little bit further. I gave that personal illustration. And uh, the reality is that God is calling every single one of us to make him our partner. Even when we're married, each of us submitting ourselves to the other in the fear of God. Husbands, love your wives, and wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. You see, God is the partner. And if he's not the partner, your marriage partnership is in trouble. Big trouble. Also, we are not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. How many professing Christians have thought that they were going to turn the marriage enterprise into an evangelical or evangelistic enterprise, believing somehow that the man or the woman who really wasn't truly following the Lord would eventually come and follow the Lord. Sometimes that happens, but not usually. And there's great pain that comes with that kind of arrangement. Do not try to justify going into a marriage relationship just because you want to or because you think that somehow you're going to, through your miraculous personality and persuasion, you're going to become the Holy Spirit to change the life of the other party. No. And don't try to justify the fact that they're a Christian when, in fact, All the earmarks of their life show that they are really not. Do not rationalize yoking. Now, I'm going to take this just a little bit further, but before I do, I'm going to give some more applications here that might save somebody a world of hurt. The book, Come Out From Among Them, You Were Made for Such a Time as This, Indeed, And we're not even beginning to talk about most of the things that Todd talked about in his book, Coconado. But it's a $20 book, yours for $18. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Uh, He's talking uh, in many respects about... Uh, the special anointing that you and I have as a remnant and uh, how we can walk in victory as a remnant and uh, restoring the foundations of our faith, rethinking what the church really looks like. He says there's going to be a great shaking. In fact, we're already seeing that great shaking. And uh, how do we respond to it as the remnant? So here's what I want to do. I want to go back to this application of coming apart and not being unequally yoked. Now, see, you can be unequally yoked uh, by representing a particular candidate or a particular particular uh, a particular political party. If the political party that you are uh, attaching yourself to is dramatically contrary to the word, will, and ways of the Lord in most instances. You cannot possibly be part of God's remnant and associate with them. You're compromising the glory of God. 
Now, it may be that you come to the conclusion that you can't uh, come alongside any of the political parties in order to bring glory to God. That's going to be a matter of your conscience. But what you cannot do is come alongside some political party because, well, your grandmother was of that party or your great-great-grandpa was part of that party. No, friends, you and I are called to the kingdom for such a time as this. It's about bringing glory to God. It's about agreeing with his viewpoint of the major issues of our time. All right. How many men and or women, mostly men, have gotten themselves into major, major trouble by entering into arrangements, partnerships, agreements, or whatever, with unbelievers. And everything looked fine. Everything looked good. I'm thinking right now of a good friend of ours, uh, a professing Christian man who entered into a partnership with a gentleman, and was in that partnership for many, many years. And these men became quite wealthy. Everything seemed fine. And then all of a sudden, my friend realized he didn't own anything anymore. This partner had completely undermined and betrayed him and left him bankrupt. How many times has that happened? How many times has that happened? Friends, God has not called us to enter into ungodly relationships where we become beholden to other people's decisions. Did you know that when you enter into a partnership like that, it's a marriage? And what you do is deemed to be what they do. What they do is deemed to be what you do. And you become responsible for them and the decisions that they make. In other words, you actually are becoming a co-signer for everything they do. And the Bible warns about being a surety or a co-signer for anybody. Don't do it. God wants us to be in a place where we totally trust him. That's really what the issue is. The issue isn't all the sideline applications. It's do you really, truly trust God? So when I left the practice, that uh, law office where I got started, and I appreciate them. I appreciate them allowing me to get started there. I really do. I, I don't put them down for that. But God called me to come away and be separate. And when I did, I practiced law for 15 years after that, 16 years after that, and never took on a partner. Oh, and I was very, very busy. Very busy. And prospered. But God was my partner. I had to trust him. 
I couldn't trust anybody else. I had to trust him. So here's my question for you. In this time of great shaking that we're in right now, how can you be bold in the face of what's happening in our world today if you don't truly trust God? If you haven't really come to the place where you trust him under every circumstance, you're going to capitulate. You're going to be part, you're going to leave the remnant, and you're going to become part of the Broadway. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, you remember this, he said, look, straight is the gate and narrow is the way, and precious few there will be that find it. You know what he's describing? The remnant. But broad is the way that leads to destruction, and the majority are going to go that way. Even in the church. The man who would have been our guest today mentions in his book that the mega churches are largely going to disappear at least in the sense of being part of any meaningful Christian, genuine Christian ministry. Because in order to survive, they're going to have to play the game with the world. So, in part, uh, as part of the calling of a remnant, God is calling his people to be willing to leave those institutions when necessary, and to consider being part of perhaps you might call it even the underground church. Now, that's not a rebellious church. There are people who are part of a so-called underground church. They're rebels. We're not talking about that. God doesn't like rebels. Because rebellion is is the sin of witchcraft. What God is really looking for is people who are totally surrendered to him, who are willing to do his will, no matter what. Amid times like these. Reminds me again of one of those songs of yesteryear. In times like these, we need a savior. In times like these, we need an anchor. Be very sure, be very sure that your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. As the beast system is coming into the plane today, around our world, the Babylonian system, it's taking over, friends. We talk about it. The global system. The pressure is going to be rising. The Greek word for pressure is thlipsis. And the English translation of that is tribulation. What we're talking about here is being prepared. For, again, as the coach once said, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Come out from among them. Did you know that the word remnant appears about 80 times in the Bible? 
Mm-hmm. It does. Most of those times were in the Old Testament. Doesn't matter. God talks about a remnant. He hasn't changed his mind. He wants us to walk with him. The true worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth. Not just in truth, not just in spirit, but in spirit and in truth. And that way they'll be walking in integrity. And that remnant group will be united because of the truth and the spirit. It must have been 15 years ago or so. I was with a small group of Christian leaders in the city where I am, and I was up to my eyeballs and working with those people. And I mentioned in this small group, it appears that God is calling out a remnant. One of the leaders rose up in indignation and just ripped me over for talking about a remnant. You know why he did that? Because for him to think about a remnant is not to think about bringing the whole group of people together in some sort of touchy-feely unity. No, that's not what unites God's people. It's not a touchy-feely thing. It's the truth and the Holy Spirit. That's what unites us. Thanks for joining us here on Viewpoint today. Get a copy of the book, Come Out From Among Them. Uh, $18, we'll put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. We're made for the kingdom for such a time as this. And I hope you see it that way. I hope this has been encouraging to you today. Maybe even save some people the world of hurt. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner, friend. Send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries. Don't wait for the other guy to do it. We really are preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour. This is serious business. You take it seriously. Every single day. Have you noticed that? Every single, no soundbite broadcast. This is all an ultimate plea to a jury of my peers. The American people, but particularly the church in America. Thanks for joining us. God bless. Be blessed. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chris Meyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.